This is a crowd podcast. Hello, I'm Geraint Thomas. And I'm Tom Fordyce. And you've just entered the Geraint Thomas Cycling Club. Brought to you by Zwift, the indoor cycling app. Jump on your smart trainer and jump into Zwift. Kreuzer, or welcome. Tom, Happy New Year. Happy New Year to you, Geraint. Sue, how was your Christmas? It was lovely, thanks, yeah. We were um, down in France in the sea on Christmas Day. Nice. You can go in the sea on, in Barry Island on Christmas Day, but <laughs> it was a slightly different vibe. <laughs> and then Boxing Day, we drove up to the mountains and went sledging. So, yeah, quality, quality Christmas. How about you? It was nice, thanks. I'm just trying to think. I was going to ask you what your best present was, so I started thinking what my best present was. I can't remember a single <laughs> present I got. I got a nice pair of trainers. For your running, so you can keep up with me next year. Uh, well, I've got two pairs of trainers, right, for running now. One in Monaco, one in Cardiff, so I was like, I'm going to do it. Um, I forgot to bring both pairs with me when we left for Australia, Singapore. Um, and we were in Singapore for a couple of days on the way to break up the journey. And I was like, oh, I could definitely get to the gym now. And I was like, oh, I've got no trainers. <laughs> so I went, went out, bought a third pair. That's commitment. And I did two runs on treadmill, Tom. Did you? 30 minutes, January the 1st, my first run of the winter. I said I was going to do it in October. Finally did it the 1st of Jan. And then the next day, I actually felt pretty good. I thought, you know what it's like, you start chasing numbers. So I started running at like three hour marathon pace. I only did half an hour, but I was like, that's a good start. Got a bit, oh, yeah, I feel all right today, the next day then, the 2nd of Jan. So I was like, oh, I'll go and do another run when Max and Sarah have a little nap in the afternoon. Jump on, do 40 minutes bit slower you know just you know ticking over you know don't want to do any damage oh my god the next day i could barely <laughs> walk i was like walking through the airport you know flying to adelaide just like i am in bits <laughs> not good well i would like to say that i had a better sporting start to the year um, I competed in a Northwest Cyclocross race on New Year's Eve, obviously in full team kit. And you know I've had that issue before where either I start fast, but then I get overtaken by people, or alternatively, I start slowly, but then overtake people. What I did was I managed to combine the worst possible of those two options by starting slowly and still going <laughs> backwards. <laughs> there was one point, there was a very tricky, it's very muddy, there was a tricky sort of off-camber chicane. And the first time I went round it, because I hadn't gone round it in the warm-up lap, which, which is my own fault, the first time I went round it, I cornered, and it was probably the worst piece of cornering I've done in my life. And just as I was completing <laughs> this terrible cornering, a bloke looked at the jersey and went, come on, GTCC, with the sort of tone of voice <laughs> that combined encouragement yeah. and disgust. And as, as I slipped off down this off-camera th- hill, I just said to him, I've disgraced the jersey, haven't I? <laughs> Come on, GTCC. <laughs> a bit like that. Come on. It began like that. It was more, come on, GTCC. <laughs> I couldn't believe you didn't do a warm-up lap, Tom. Just, you know, fail to prepare. Prepare to fail. I know. I did sort of half a warm-up lap. I'm, I'm going to improve, G, as 2023 goes on. But listen, the year has started with a, frankly, massive announcement that has got a lot of our club members very worried because the White Oakleys that feature in our club logo are only in our club logo. They are no longer on your face. Yeah, 
sad times, isn't it? But it's retro. That's why I like to look at it. It's why well, it's been retro for the last five years. But yeah, you know, things change. You've got to adapt. You know, embrace changes as good as the rest and all that jazz. But no, it is it is weird. I'm not going to lie. Yeah, that that's, well, that's what it is, Tom. Don't know what else to say. <laughs> it is. My main concern is, I mean, obviously... They make the old white ones made it incredibly easy to spot you at any point in a race. And on the rare days, like the day in the tour uh, last year when you decided to wear a different pair of shades, there was mass panic amongst your supporters because they thought you'd been dropped. I don't know if there's anything else you can do in races to make it easier for your supporters to find you. You know those recumbent bikes that you see sometimes, um, which have like a thin wire flag with a little strip of material, a little triangle of luminous material at the top. Could you stick one of those on the back of your bike? Yeah, possibly. Maybe Eurosport could just give me a Zwift beacon above my head when I'm racing, you know? Yes, that's nice. Well, actually, Tom, I, I, I've I got black frame glasses to start with. But um, today, in fact, I got my new pairs that I'm going to be racing with that are actually white. So, oh. yeah, some bit of, a bit of good news for you there. That is massive relief, uh, not least to our member, Ridian Jones, who had actually emailed new sponsor Sun God to ask them to sort you out with a white pair. I think Sun God replied, so well done, Sun God. That is a massive relief. I was thinking we were going to have to change our logo. We don't have to. That is marvellous news. And finally, before we get on to today's huge guest, and now I mean huge, we've got a big announcement, haven't we, Tom, for the GTCC at the start of 2023? Yeah, we certainly have. Uh, do me a little cheeky drum roll, will you, G, please? <laughs> cheeky little drill. Cheeky lawnmower, that was. <laughs> uh. Well, we are launching our first ever official GTCC membership and it's going to be going on over on patreon now obviously we know if you listen to the podcast you're already in the club so this is for anyone who fancies getting some shiny extras for just five pounds a month you can become an official gtcc domestique yes we want people that are born team players people who can set the pace spot a breakaway from a mile off and anyone who's an expert at keeping up morale also our gtcc domestiques must make sure everyone is fed and watered too. That's crucial. A team is nothing without domestiques, so we want you. Yeah, and in return for this extreme loyalty to the club, we are going to be giving you a lot of benefits. Right, G, let's go through them. Monthly bonus content from me and Tom. An annual discount code for the GTCC store. Early access to news about live shows, merchandise and all club business. Get this, an exclusive ticket to one live online recording of the GTCC per season. Basically, you'll be able to watch live as Geraint butchers his introduction to our guests. and a sparkly GTCC water bottle after three months of membership. And finally, we'll give every GTCC domestique a shout out on the podcast. So if any of that takes your fancy and you want to join the team as an official GTCC domestique, just head to patreon.com forward slash GTCC to sign up. Right, let's get our first guest of 2023 on, shall we? Let's do it. We all love coffee, don't we, G? Never do this pod without one, Tom. Or a ride, actually. Yeah, there is nothing better than a quick coffee for a cold winter ride or before hopping on Zwift. So, I know we'll both be delighted with the next sponsor of this podcast, Origin Coffee. 
Also, there is a cheeky discount code we've got for all our listeners. Origin Coffee are one of the leading brands on the coffee scene, and they get just how much cyclists love coffee. And get this, Tom. Origin's director of coffee, Freda, is a three times UK cup tasting champion. Not once, Geraint, not twice, but three times. That is pretty impressive. Would you like another great fact? All online orders are roasted and shipped the very same day. Super speedy, just how we like it on this podcast. They also have a rewards program, so customers like you and me can earn points and get cash back every time we shop online. So why not try one of their delicious espresso blends? or an interesting single origin coffee. There are so many profiles to try, and all the coffee comes in home compostable bags. So if you want to order some origin coffee and get a massive 30% off, just go to origincoffee.co.uk and use the code GTCC30 at checkout. That's the code GTCC30 at checkout. Go and get yours today. Enjoy! So, Tom, it's an easy intro for me to read out today, for once. Please welcome to GTCC, the current Tour de France champion, Jonas Vingegaard. Welcome, mate. Thanks for coming. Thank you. Just to make it clear, how do you pronounce second name? Vingego? Vingegaard? And now, I, uh, yeah, now you have to learn tennis. It's Vingego. Oh, Vingego. Okay, sorry. Vingego. Vingego. And Jonas is Jonas, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Perfect. 50% right, anyway. But, um, <laughs> oh, sh- oh, my lights have just gone off. One second, I'll put them on. Oh, they're coming back on. But yeah, you're looking good, mate. You're looking pretty trim. I was, when I was in December after winning the tour, I certainly didn't look like you. <laughs> 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 no, yeah, thanks. Yeah, it's been actually quite a, quite a good off season. Just relaxed. Yeah, I mean, normally I, I also gain a few kilos and, and gain actually more than I do now, but, uh, Swinder has been been quite good for me, so yeah, all good here. Yes, what did you get up to? What's the sort of craziest thing you've done since uh, since winning the tour? Well, I, I mean, we went on a, on a trip around the world for one month, basically. So uh, <laughs> after the season, we we went on on a, yeah a vacation to the Maldives, and from there we went to Singapore for ten days, and and then further to to Japan and. Yeah, then back home. So it was actually like a, a, a good trip, but also a, a super long trip. Yeah, one crazy thing I saw was um, the day you left the tour, I think you were flying back to Denmark, I think, and you had those fighter pilots. Like, I think you might have even, you were on a private jet, I think, and you got these French fight, or were they Danish? I don't know. But they were fighter pilots either side of you. It was supposed to be a surprise for me, but then uh, the the pilot in, in the private jet said already to me that... Uh, Ah, in uh, in ten minutes, the the yeah, I think it was F sixteen jets would be coming, and then yeah, I was super uh, nice experience to see one on each side, and uh, it was uh, for me that was also a special day to to be celebrated in in Denmark and yeah, the whole way of of getting there, but yeah, just just everything about it. You probably do want a warning, G, don't you? If um, if two fighter pilots, yeah. or if two fighter jets are going to appear either side of your plane, I think a little bit of advance warning probably goes down quite well. I was going to say, yeah, it's probably a good thing he said that. Can you imagine just looking out your window and seeing like a fighter jet there and on the other side? Yeah, but yeah, I can't fault that. That's uh, that's some way to travel home, isn't it? Yeah, I was uh, actually I was a bit surprised because I had nothing to do with it, and yeah, on the Tuesday after the tour, I was in Holland to do all the. Uh, 
to to see all the sponsors and to meet them uh, and then the day after i knew yeah we had to fly home but then the danish uh, what is it called the, the national uh, cycling union they they arranged the private jet and for, yeah even that in itself is is quite a big experience that, that was super nice uh, and yeah just just everything about that day was was really incredible yeah i can imagine while cycling if you're listening you know <laughs> private jet at some point just a little trip anywhere you can go to scotland for the day wherever you want <laughs> yeah it's it's nice you can go uh, doesn't take long it's it's pretty easy so yeah do you two want to compare homecomings because Geraint, when you won the tour in 2018 you obviously had those pretty remarkable scenes in cardiff started down by the parliament building and then you rode all the way up didn't you St mary street up to the castle Jonas, yours, if I can say this, G, without offending you, look like an entirely different level. The scenes in Copenhagen when you got home were insane. Yeah, that's uh, that's true. I mean, I don't think I ever saw so many people in in, in one spot before, and not not only yeah that one spot. I uh, the whole way from from the airport, I think it was ten k to to that spot, and it was just full of people everywhere, and. Uh, I made the mistake of starting to to high five people on the way and and yeah <laughs> I think in the end my my hand was also almost falling off. <laughs> What's the population of uh, Denmark? Uh 5.6 million I think. Close to 6. Maybe maybe above 6. But half the country came out then. <laughs> yeah, the, the it looks like it certainly, but uh, I think also during the tour I heard something that 1.6 million was just just in those three days we were in Denmark, we were on the route. Yeah, that was incredible, actually, the start. Like, yeah, I think it's, it was on a par with when he started in London or Yorkshire. You get such a boost from those home fans as well. And I remember on the start, maybe the first road stage, the whole crowd just started chanting Jonas, didn't they? Jonas, Jonas. And <laughs> I think it was Jonas, wasn't it? Yeah, that's what they were shouting. Yeah, or, or my last name. They also started like uh, yeah. shouting that. So that was... Finger go. Yeah, exactly. And then uh, nailed it. <laughs> <laughs> yes, exactly. Yeah, it's just having the whole nation behind you. It just feels really uh, incredible. For me, the, I think the most special moment for me was actually in uh, in Tivoli uh, at the team presentation because it 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 kind of came as a surprise for me. I I thought it would be big, but still, it just surprised me how big it was. This is before the tour starts. This is the Grand Depart. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So actually, uh, the the team presentation on Wednesday, I think, that was for me so incredible. I mean, I knew it was going to be big. Uh, I heard that they would uh, give away 25,000 tickets for it, but but still that there were so many people in there was just amazing. Is that the place? Is a little theme park. It's got a few rides in there. Yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah, because... Um, so Max came out, my wife and son. They weren't allowed to see me in the end because the team COVID and all this. They, you know, ultra, ultra cautious. So I wasn't allowed to see them. But they went to this theme park and Max actually got his head stuck in the railings. They had no. to stop the ride. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was a big commotion, yeah. <laughs> Whoa. So uh, He's about okay? 15 minutes. All good. He just had to, uh, instead of trying to pull him, pull his head back out, <laughs> they just had to bring his whole body through. So, <laughs> oh, okay. Uh, yeah. But anyway, go off topic. But uh, uh, sounds dramatic. Oh, that's, yeah, uh, yeah, a bit different. Yeah, I saw him on the on the podium. Then that's uh, of course. Yeah, yeah. He's got a big head like his dad. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I saw he had the uh, 
I think he only had one glass in his in his glasses, right? <laughs> yeah, he uh, he just loved them. He loved he loves wearing those glasses. He wants to put them on to look like me, and then yeah, the lenses pop out quite easily now. So yeah. What about the night itself, Jonas? The night in Paris on the Sunday when you win the tour and you've been on the podium yourself. How was that? What did you get up to? Yeah, that was yeah, of course, also very very special. I mean, I think for me the the most and some kind of very special moment is when you finish the time trial and I guess you know the same, Jaron. It's like mm. you actually realize that and now you won it, uh, basically. And then, of course, in Paris, it's it's a lot of celebrating and, and just, yeah, uh, celebrating with the team, with the family. And we went to the Dutch embassy and had a, had a nice dinner. And yeah, then just had a dinner with the whole team uh, behind. And uh, it, was, it was super cool. They had a barbecue and so uh yeah not, lovely not not like partying all night but just uh yeah i think i went home at 12 or or, or something and then yeah just uh i mean i was also so so tired that i was like okay i'm i'm, I'm so tired maybe it's better to to go to bed sensible to be honest yeah i should have maybe thought of that but um <laughs> but talk talking of the tt you had a pretty scary uh moment in that on the descent where you kind of almost ran off the road. How was that? Like, what was the, what were they saying on the radio after that moment? Or how, what were you thinking? <laughs> how were you feeling? Yeah, it's uh, it's funny because like before the time trial, I was obviously a bit nervous. Like what if I have a bad day or, or, or something, you know, every everything can happen. And then before I was, I made the plan that instead of going easy in all the corners, I was going to do normal. So not, not taking big, big risks. But then on the on the second last climb before I just went so hard that basically after that I fucked up every corner like all my lines. <laughs> so, but but I was still going with a good speed and and I think the the, the problem was that it was a bit bumpy. Uh, so I took the wrong line. But if the road wouldn't have been bumpy, I would have made it without any any problems. But then because it was bumpy, it was really uh, it made it even worse. And then. I was close, close to the edge, and uh, I remember the only thing they said in the car was a uh, good safe, and then <laughs> yeah, we had to go on. You had your own twitchy moment, G, didn't you? In your own final time trial in 20, 2018, down in the south uh, west of France, it was a little bit rainy, wasn't it? I remember you almost losing your back wheel on a corner. Oh, yeah, it was in um, the French Basque country, but Espelette, where the nice spice comes from. I always remember that just because of the spicy stuff, but. Yeah, yeah, into that corner, back wheel slid out. Um, and then on the radio, they're kind of like, gee, easy, easy, just got to finish this stage, whatever. But then after that, it was almost like I forgot how to corner. And I was just going around these corners so slow and going around them like a 50 pence piece, you know, like rather than a nice smooth arc. I was just like, yeah. But yeah, it was, you had an even bigger advantage than what I had. And yeah, it was just about getting to the finish. But suddenly, once you just lose that sort of rhythm and that sort of, it's easier to just go full on sometimes and just forget about, because you overthink it then. So yeah, at least your moment was close to the finish, I guess. Yeah, exactly. And that was what I was thinking that, yeah, if you start cornering bad, you start thinking about it, then you overthink it. And then you, yeah, you, you lose easily 30 seconds in the corners. And then, yeah, then I was just thinking that, yeah, I just start really hard. I just don't go slow in the corner and then in the end uh, 
actually at one point maybe I should have made the switch and say okay on the on the last downhills I go easy I don't I don't uh, take any chances at all but uh, I I couldn't make that uh, switch anymore. Shall we talk about stage eleven of the tour because that was a big day, Jonas, in a in a tour of big days. So the plan that that your team hatched had that been planned for a while? Did that come together the night before? Talk us through it. Yeah, so um, we made the plan already in in December, uh, of course. Um, we had the plan. We wanted to go with with two leaders, uh, with me and Primas. And then, yeah, basically the plan was that day to just go crazy, if you can say that. Just we, I mean, now the both of us tried to be second in in the tour. So I guess both of us were like, yeah, now we want to try to to win it, and we would do everything that to try to, yeah to beat the today and uh, we said we wanted to make the plan that we wanted to go early on this stage uh, have satellite satellite riders and then just yeah make a make a good race of it and uh, i think i think we did uh, it was a nice day um, special day yeah it was a lovely day yeah yeah thanks for that <laughs> <laughs> what were your thoughts as you're watching all that unfold in front of you going because you I think you were were you in third or fourth at that point you were moving up the leaderboard but you you've you've been around road cycling long enough to know that that was the sort of day when that sort of tactic was going to happen so as you're watching it what were your thoughts yeah you kind of you expect the worst and hope for the best when it comes to days like that and we kind of expected something to kick off but honestly I didn't really expect that because going up the it was the Galibier where you do the telegraph first you have a little descent and then you carry on up the Galibier but it's just a massive climb basically then a big long descent and then we do the Granon and just over the telegraph like I was just making sure I was in a decent position and then I just see like Jumbo just going like I don't know if Primos attacked or I think you were catching one of your as you call it satellite riders one of the guys that had been in the break I think you were just catching him can't remember who it was maybe Benuto or someone but yeah it was just like well we just got to go we have to follow this I can't just let all these go so um yeah i remember just sprinting getting on the wheel and then the guy behind me lost the wheel suddenly i'm looking back no one there and there's three jumbos maybe like primos jonas and then and was it benut no it was uh, or, laporte and he's laporte i think he's one yeah. of the best downhillers in the world so uh he just went nuts in in, in that downhill or nah for him not but uh like uh, super fast yeah, yeah yeah exactly and and then we were with the yeah, basically the four or five of us. Yeah, yeah, and Tade obviously, and then we start climbing again. On basically, and this isn't good because this is going to be hard. This is going to hurt because <laughs> I knew what was coming. And then basically, it was ridiculous. It was just basically like in training. Sometimes you might do some efforts, like thirty seconds on, thirty seconds off, and that that's what it was. It was just like Primoz would go full gas, Tade sprinting after him, Jonas following Tade. And I was just like this, well, <laughs> just playing up to the old man character, I guess, just <laughs> chugging away, just keeping going. Like, no one, are they going to slow down? Because once Tally catches them, I don't think he's going to attack and they're not going to ride together. So, and it was basically these lot just bang, bang, bang. And then I was just slowly coming back up every time. It's still having to spike a bit. It still hurts a lot. But yeah, and it, it was just going on for what felt like an eternity. And then eventually we kind of slowed down and the group behind sort of came back to us but then Tade started then and I was just thinking mate this is just in my head I was thinking this is a I can't remember a day especially when I've been in the tour 
that was just so crazy like that. And by the time we got to the Galibier, the top of the Galibier, I think Tade had done quite a bit on the front actually to, to get rid of all Jumbo Bar Jonas. And in my head, I was thinking, that's, that's a bad move. Because then me and Bardet were just off the back and I was just doing my thing, you know, just getting up bit as, as smoothly as I could. And we came back and then obviously a load of others come back and then hit the Grand on then. I'm sure, Jonas, you can tell us what you were thinking, what you were planning up there. Yeah, actually, basically, uh, from the moment we, we hit Granon, I was thinking to try to to make it as hard as, as possible. And yeah, I mean, it is a, a beast of a climb, I think. It's it's really uh, incredible hard. It's uh, For me, I think it's one of the, the hardest climbs I've ever done as a, as a Finnish climb. Um, and, and we did the recon before, and, and I knew it already. And then, yeah, basically, I had no helpers in the end. So it was uh, Micah pacing the, the Granon. And then I think first it was Quintana attacking. And then he attacked like straight from the bottom, I think. But then with five and a half to go, I think uh, Bade went. And already there, I was I, I was feeling super, super good uh, still. So I was thinking, okay, if, if I knew that it would be steep with like four and a half or five to go. So I was thinking if they don't speed up, then then basically I would I would I would try to attack. I'm glad you're feeling good, mate. Because if that was you on a bad day, holy shit! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's. Uh, <laughs> I think what, probably my my best day ever uh, on the bike, actually. So as you say, we're no teammates. Like having those guys as well to sort of use as a springboard, it was perfect. And as soon as you hit that steeper, you just went and. Yeah, it was surprising how they couldn't couldn't follow, could he? Yeah, it's uh, normally I think when 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 he uh, yeah when he feels good he just jumps directly on your wheel and then you really have to try to to ride him off the wheel. But and now he he didn't even try to go after me and and I guess in that moment I I knew that okay this is this is basically my chance and then yeah for me it was just trying to to push as hard as as possible to to the finish from there. Um, and again yeah just really incredible it was my first stage win of the tour so that's also special yeah not a bad way to do it because I can remember um, just sitting on Tade I was like right I'm not going to help him you know he's he's the the biggest threat he's the favourite along with you so I just remember sitting on him and thinking wow for Tade to be riding it's not actually that hard and I was thinking what's going on here yeah and then um, eventually I was like right well I'm just going to go I'm going to try then and um, yeah, like he couldn't follow me either. And whew, I, I, don't get me wrong, I didn't feel sorry for him. But it's it's a hard moment, you know, like when you're a big, big favourite, like, and he was suffering. Like He's obviously never suffered like that in a race before and to be losing time like that. So I think I even put a couple of minutes into him maybe or a minute and a half or something. So an unbelievable day, really. And suddenly, I don't think anybody expected that. You know, going into that stage, if you had said, this is this will be the results come the end of the day, yeah, I think everyone just laughed at you, really. <laughs> yeah, I think so. I mean, at that point, he also seemed so strong. Uh, I mean, like the days before, he he won two days in a row in, in Longwy and La Planche de Belfi, and I mean, he he seemed super strong, and yeah, it seemed like for some that he would uh, be uh, yeah not not beatable basically. But at least for us, we 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 wanted to try, and we just had the spirit to 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 go for it. Even in the Roubaix stage, I can remember he was like, you know, he almost won that, didn't he? And to be honest, I was lucky that you were with me, actually, because after that crash where 
Caleb hit a hay bale, basically. I think that's what caused the crash, wasn't it? And Primos came down. I came down. Did you crash or did you just have a mechanical or something? Or was it before <laughs> that even? You haven't seen it. No. Ah, then uh, maybe you should search on YouTube for it. It's the most <laughs> hilarious of uh, thing of the year. I, uh, oh. I'm swapping bikes five times, I think. Yeah, <laughs> I, I did see that. Yeah, when there's like jumbo guys all over the place and it's like that crazy music. like da, 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 da. It's like, what's going, what's going on? <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's that picture, isn't there? There's a still picture where there seem to be, there's three Yumbo riders and they're all doing totally different things. <laughs> and unless you'd seen the stage, the picture makes no sense. Someone's looking over his shoulder, someone's going that way, someone's going that way. <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, it was like afterwards, of course, we can laugh of it, but uh, in the moment it was, <laughs> wasn't so funny for us. But uh, yeah, it was, it was, um, yeah, I can tell that. I, I just I just panicked like uh, we had all these plans that yeah if you have a puncture if you have if you have a crash you you break your bike yeah then we swap bikes with uh, this or that guy and then I just dropped the chain <laughs> and then mm-hmm. I just immediately thought okay I'm gonna swap bikes and then who was behind me there was there was nothing uh, and yeah I think that was. Uh, not not doable. I couldn't. I couldn't even sit on the on the saddle and and push the pedals. So then I had to swap bike again. Then I got the bike of of Steven. And then while I got that one, the car came next to me. Then yeah, okay. Then I better swap with your spare bike. Yeah, yeah. exactly. And then uh, yeah. So I really uh, <laughs> made a mess there with the team. <laughs> it goes to show though how useful and how what well, beneficial it is to have a strong team. Because as I say, I was lucky you were buying because. Van Art was incredible. Like, because you guys caught my group, my gears weren't working. They were just like jumping every like pedal stroke, and I just couldn't really do anything. Yeah. And um, I remember Van Art and I think it was another teammate, maybe Laporte yeah, or somebody. Yeah, yeah. Laporte as well. Those two were just riding so fast, so strong, like closing the gap to the front and almost closed it to the well to the front by the end. So, well, I guess you owe him a. A pint or two after that. Oh, for sure. I, uh, I mean, that was that was incredible. And yeah, Wout was in the in the yellow jersey, and basically he sacrificed his yellow jersey. I mean, he he kept it afterwards, of course. But when when he f- he he f- he dropped back to me, we didn't know if I was gonna or we were gonna catch back, and if yeah. he would still keep the jersey. So so basically, he sacrificed his his yellow jersey for for me. Uh, which I'm I'm super super grateful for. I mean, it's it's incredible that that he wants to do that and and yeah, basically the whole team that day was was really incredible. Also, uh, yeah, this stuff was was pulling for me and, and yeah, basically everyone was was just totally committed to the plan and and yeah, we had a lot of bad luck also with the with the crash of Primos and also in 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 his group we had we had Nathan and and Tish pulling and. We had a, a super strong team and they all yeah, really tried to, to help us all the time. On that moment on, on stage 11, just to go back to that for a second, Jonas, the point on the Granon where you dropped Tade, right, for everyone watching on TV, that was incredibly dramatic because it was the first time most of us have seen Tade crack. So for you in that moment, are you conscious of that or are you just head down, you've seen he's dropped, and you're just trying to put as many seconds into him as you possibly can. Uh, yeah, I think actually it's just, for me, it was just about, I saw it and then 
I knew I was I was in really good shape, and and then it was just about putting as many seconds into him as as possible. So from there, basically, it was just I think five k, so basically twenty minutes on the limit, pushing everything you can, and yeah, that was incredible for me. Also, just to for me, it, it's it's I think it's my best performance ever, and and like having it on such a day and at such an altitude is just for me super super nice that. I can do it there. Yeah, I was going to say it's super high as well, isn't it? It's over 2,000 meters. Yeah. 2.4, is it? Or? Yeah, the finish was uh, 2.4. What were they saying on the team radio as you were going away? I think, like, just, just keep pushing to the to the finish. Uh, so they didn't allow me to, to uh, celebrate before. <laughs> so, yeah, basically it was uh, going all the way to the finish and uh, just trying to encourage me, telling me the, the split times, of course. But other than that, I... I can't really re- remember what they said actually because i've yeah i mean you're so focused you you just focus on pushing as hard as possible and then yeah, of course you hear the split times and then so you put what almost three minutes into today that day so suddenly you're defending the jersey rather than attacking it how has that changed for you how do you feel the next day and the day after knowing that rather than doing the hunting you are now the hunted yeah it's true it's, it's it's very different of course now i wasn't the one who had to attack anymore so some kind of way it's also easier to follow if you can say that i mean you you do get a little bit of draft always uh, so it is easier to to follow i'd say so yeah but it's also it's it's, it's very different uh, because I think today and I we we race differently. So uh, like he he's way more explosive. I think so. It makes it different and 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 yeah. Still, you always have to think about what's what's best for me, of course, uh, when we have the jersey. So that was the biggest change for me. I think when when Jonas took the jersey, just some of the starts it was just bonkers. It's stuff like you've never seen before. It's kind of like junior racing or you know like a smaller stage race when the teams aren't that strong and it's more man v man from would go it was like that like Pogacar's just attacking like after 5k up drags and I was just sat there thinking what is going on and then Jonas is like going after him and I was just like well again just trying to think like well hopefully they just kick each other's heads in here for another few days and then they completely blow up (laughs) didn't happen but yeah I was just trying to like just follow the wheels and stay calm and just try and like stay near the front and just float there and not get drawn into all that because it was just, it was incredible, Tom. Like, again, like that stage 11, I haven't seen anything like that. Like, first and second place just going at each other. I think it was maybe the stage that Matthews won to, to Mond when he was just going on for an yeah. hour and a half. Yeah, yeah. And um, these two, like, <laughs> I just, and uh, I remember, like, uh, like Matthew said, he was asking Van Aert, like, what, what's going on? Like, I remember asking Jonas as well, you happy with the break? <laughs> yeah, 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 we're happy with the break, but then still jumps going away. And that that became a thing then in the tour. Every stage, I just roll up next to Vingegaard, next to Jonas after a few uh, few minutes after a break, it sort of looked like it was going. Like, you happy with the break, mate? <laughs> also in Croatia. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of a thing now, yeah. yeah. You happy, mate? Yeah. yeah for now for now I'm happy <laughs> <laughs> I mean we talk about you competing against Tade but to be fair to Geraint he's never more dangerous than when he's eight minutes down on GC so you know you must be concerned about him as well yeah of course I mean you have to to think about everyone of course I mean of course I was mostly concerned about 
uh, today, um, to be honest. But I mean, you, I cannot let 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 the Jaren go in the in the GC. So Jaren also attacked a few times on the. I can't remember if it was the last mountain day or the second last, and I was also like, yeah, I don't I don't want to to let you go. So, you know, it's I don't want to let you up the road. Yeah, yeah, of course. I was just hoping for a little stall from you guys and everyone was banging on about me having an attack. So I was like, oh, I've got to have a little attack at least just to see what happens. <laughs> but I just knew, like, it was funny. We were at the dinner table that evening and um, basically after a couple of minutes, Tom, like, Tade comes flying past me with Jonas in his wheel. I was like, oh, cheers, boy. <laughs> <laughs> like, Tade had just attacked, like, using me as a launch pad trying to get rid of Jonas and... And we're at the dinner table and Castro comes in and he's laughing. He's like, oh, gee, they came past you so fast. <laughs> like wetting himself. I was like, mate, thanks for the morale. At least I was there. You were 15 minutes behind just having some M&Ms probably, you bastard. <laughs> but, um, yeah, but uh, oh, it was it was insane then, pair in that tour. Yeah, it was... Um... He he has some, some really good attacks, actually. So it's it's he's he's very strong in the acceleration and that's always like uh, really have to get the elbows in and, and just <laughs> try to follow basically that reminds me do you remember on one stage when um i don't know what stage it was it was maybe the stage that had like a, the climb got really steep at the end and it was downhill maybe 20 odd k to the finish i can't remember what stage it was now um and I remember like looking and Tade sort of like drifted back and not really in his usual sort of place and he didn't look as good. And I was chatting to a teammate and I think um, Sep was, Sep Kuss, a, a, a teammate of Jonas was, was next to, I think it was Castro I was talking to. I was like, he doesn't look good today. Like Tade doesn't look good. And then Sep was like, yeah, yeah, I don't think he looks great. Literally like a K later, he's attacking off the front. And I was like, oh. <laughs> yeah, I think he is. He's just as good. Yeah, I think uh, he's just playing. I think uh, today you can never really read him. It's always hard to to know how he feels. Uh, so, yeah, for me, it's also basically he's hard hard to read. I think, and sometimes it looks like he he's uh, not good on that day, and then yeah, then he he wins the stage, and oh, okay, then. <laughs> <laughs> it seems like you were always in control, though. From where I was sitting, it looked like you were never really. Obviously, it's hard, but it didn't look like you were ever under really any pressure where you're going to get dropped. Yeah, I mean, of course, it's always uh, like super hard and, and 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 yeah, it's super tough to to follow. But like dropping, I, I mean, yeah, it's 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 very different because it could be that he would he would drop me, you know. And and I think we are very different in in our way of of riding. So I think. Maybe with with the acceleration, he 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 may, might be able, but but like I think my advantage is on on the longer climbs. So I, I was suffering a lot, of course. So there seemed to be a lot of respect between you as well, Jonas. Um, so on that final day in the mountains, the the stage that finishes up the Hotakam, and obviously you both had a little wobble on a corner, and he went down, and you waited for him. Was that just an instant decision? You just thought he's down <laughs> yeah, and waiting. Yeah, that was uh, basically what what my instinct instinct set um yeah so 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 yeah he crashed i said directly in the radio that um yeah he crashed i i'll i'll wait for him for me that was the right thing to do and and i'm 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 glad i waited for him yeah definitely that was good to see as well just that the sportsmanship as well it would have been easy to take advantage of that but 
again, you didn't really have to because you had a decent time gap anyway. Maybe if it was only ten seconds, you wouldn't have waited. But <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's, it's no, it was it was good. It's to also see. different. I wouldn't say different, but I mean, it's also he's he's the guy pushing, and now he crashed, and and there was actually basically no no consequence still. So he he also didn't lose anything by by pushing, and of course, I I also don't lose anything uh, by waiting. So. Who were you talking to, Yanis, when you got to the end of each stage and you were getting closer and closer to the end of the tour? And I'm sure the nerves were there. Was it your wife you were talking to at home? Because you often seem to go off straight after the stage finish, get on the rollers and be on the phone to someone. Was that your wife? Yeah, yeah, that's uh, that's my wife. She always supports me. It's She's a big supporter of me and or for me. So um, she really means everything. And, and she's always good at, at keeping me calm, keeping me on the right path that's for me super nice to to have her on the side and she's always there for me and how was it when you saw her at the end because obviously Garrett you had that big emotional embrace with Saar after the time trial when you knew you had it in the bag how was it for you Jonas? yeah I mean it was also very very emotional uh, she's the one I love the most together with my my daughter of course uh, but just to have her there on the sideline when when yeah when I won the yellow jersey, it's just incredible, and and yeah, both of us were were crying, and and yeah, I mean, it's just so many so many emotions in the Tour de France, and and I remember watching a, a interview also when G won, uh, he was also crying. So I mean, thanks thanks for bringing that up. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I mean, it is just emotional, <laughs> and it's like funny how how sport can bring uh, emotions in it. Yeah, and it's a mad mad story you got really because. I think a lot of people know you were working in a fish market, yeah, right? True, uh, in a, in a fish factory. So, uh, yeah, fish yeah. factory. Until how old? Uh, basically, until I signed my first pro con- contract. So, I started in Jumbo in uh, nineteen. So, in the summer eighteen, I was still working in the fish factory. Wow, that's some rise. That to recently, fair play. How quickly can you skin a fish then? Oh, it, it goes quick because you just like we have machines for it so uh, you just uh, cut off the the tail and then yeah you put it through a machine and then the the skin is off Sli- slightly different to racing a call de granon smashing everyone <laughs> taking the other jersey yeah it's uh, it's different but it's also it's also hard work of course and i think it in that way you you at least i learned to yeah to work hard for for the things i i want and how's things now then is it um still crazy busy or you managed to be uh the old sort of life because i kind of saw it as two two lives almost like your pre-win tour win and then the post win which is just crazy and just everyone wants a piece of you although that does die down if you don't win it for three years everyone (laughs) doesn't care less then mate but (laughs) yeah is it a bit more normality again are you able to um yeah just be a normal bike rider or is it still hectic for me it feels quite normal i'd say it's it's not like of course if if you go somewhere and someone's on the bike and and they see you they yeah they follow you and ride next to you but i mean it's it's i have the feeling that yeah it not it didn't really change of course like directly the months after it was a bit different and yeah it was a bit uh, crazy and as you said everyone wanted a piece of it and and i have the feeling now it's a bit more calm and yeah of course, there's a little bit more duties to do, uh, also with the team, with 
with yeah we do some some content for the team and ask for a bit more uh, i guess and do you spend most of your time in denmark then or are you out of the country more now no so so like this this winter i stayed in denmark so far uh but then yeah basically otherwise i'll i'll stay in in spain um for most of the of the winter actually yeah because that's the biggest thing i found like you know with brad he was in the uk a lot and it just got a bit overwhelming for him at least i kind of see the advantage of sort of living away because at least you can sort of knuckle down and yeah do your day job then most of the time yeah yeah exactly but somehow somehow get the impression it's not going to affect you much anyway you're just going to be just as strong come the tour in 2023 anyway yeah i uh i hope so gee what would your advice be Fionis, as a man who who went back the year after he won the tour and you finished second well i think just generally what i just said about you know trying to get back to that normal life again normal training routine and just being a bike rider again because it can be so hectic and um for me like the running for the tour in 19 was was pretty terrible really to be honest like i didn't finish tureno i was sick and then swiss i got taken out and cut my eye so the doctor stopped me getting back on the bike because i'd cut you know cut my head so i only did one uphill finish in romandy i think i might finish third there but yeah only raced the top of a climb once before going to the tour so but then yeah I was still able to get in decent enough shape to be in with a shout of winning so I think Jonas is is better than me he's a bit more <laughs> I think he'll be alright I don't need to give him too much advice well thanks <laughs> here's one more question G actually is as someone who's won the tour talking to someone else who's won the tour how would you put Jonas's win into context because you saw it you were there you had an amazing seat all the way through what do you think about that ride now well i think just the whole tour in general was just so entertaining like so much going off you know van art just doing his crazy things and just the style of racing has changed a lot since this century probably you know like even yeah the start in the early 2000s it was really controlled wasn't it and then obviously sky uh was a similar way of trying to control the race whereas this time yeah, Jumbo definitely don't just ride on the front and just control it and shut the race down. They kind of let the racing happen and jumping around themselves, as we've already said. And and then just to see, you know, Tade, who's supposed to, you know, going to be the smash the the number of victories of the tour and going to dominate the sport. And then suddenly Jonas comes along and smashes him, basically. And it was, um, yeah, incredible, really. Just from the way they rode as a team for a start, Jumbo. Um, and how composed Jonas was all the way through and yeah how strong he was when he actually went on Granon and on Hotakam it was impressive so um, yeah a, a great win yeah not much I can say really thanks that's a big word I've got one final question for you uh, Jonas and this is this reflects both the job that you used to do when you were coming through into cycling and where you're from people who go to Denmark and particularly go to Copenhagen will always try and try a fish dish. But there seem to be about a million different fish dishes to try when you go to Copenhagen. So if G and I were to come to your homeland, what should we try? Hmm, good question. Uh, I wouldn't say fish, actually. I, I would say the um, we call it the frikadella. It's, it's, it's like a really Danish... Uh, yeah... Danish uh, meal. Uh, it's 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 meatballs. Uh, you cook on the pan, and then yeah, you have potatoes and 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 sauce with it, basically. And it's yeah, 
everyone in Denmark eats it and it's it's super nice I like it sounds great we'll have that Tom well you can have the potatoes because Tom's a veggie and I'll just smash the meatballs oh, that's a deal <laughs> perfect we've got we've actually got a Danish bakery around the corner from our house in Cardiff oh yeah Broad Broad is that how you say it well with B-R-O with the line through it yes yeah. you say well bro bro <laughs> You don't say the D. Brawl. 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 <laughs> Almost. Brawl. 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 Anyway, it's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> they got some amazing stuff. So, yeah, I might have to make a trip to Denmark just to just, yeah. I think so. Have some more pastries and, and some meatballs. Sounds good. <laughs> well, thanks for your time. Thanks for coming on. Been amazing having you. Appreciate it. Thank you for uh, letting me in the show. Nice one. Thank you very much. Gee, I am delighted to announce that we have got Momentus back on board as a sponsor for Series 3 of the GTCC. Momentus, a little bit like UG, are dedicated to optimising both the mind and body and they're leading the way for high performance seekers at all levels. Right, so for those not familiar with Momentus, Gee, tell us all about their flagship product. Yeah, so PR lotion is something I've used on my body for years, Tom. It basically delivers bicarb directly to your muscles via your skin and bypasses the gut, which I don't know if you've ever drunk bicarb, Tom, but that's a big plus. The best time to use it, I find, is an hour and a half before your workout on Zwift or out on the road or whatever you're doing. And it's not too sticky either. It doesn't get stuck in your hairs if you've forgotten to shave. And it definitely helps me train harder. All of this is true, G. It is actually scientifically proven to improve performance and decrease muscle soreness and helps you make all those training goals. If you want to get your hands on some PR lotion, Momentus are giving GTCC members, that's you listening right now, yes you, 25% off. Give them the code G. Just head over to PRLotion.com and use the code GTCC2022 to get 25% off today. Enjoy. Here at Mindset Win, we want to give you the tools to become better at what you do. Taking inspiration and wisdom from our guests, we will hear stories, strategies, tips and tricks. Told by leading names in sport and beyond. Who know what it takes to get to the very top. There will be two episodes each week packed with amazing stories and practical takeaways for us all to follow. Search for Mindset Win on YouTube and on your favorite podcast app. Tom, Zwift are back for their third season sponsoring the GTCC. Which means our Wednesday 6pm group rides continue. Exactly. Just hop on your trainer, open up the Zwift app and join the group ride. You get to ride alongside us, all our club members and wear the in-game GTCC jersey. And if you're new to Zwift, just go to Zwift.com to start your free trial today. During this season of the pod, we're going to be walking you through all the new stuff we've been trying out on the app. Just think of us as your testing team. So, Chairman Tom, what have you been trying this week? Well, gee, I've got some big news from Zwift HQ. Zwift have released their first ever smart trainer called the Zwift Hub. Right, you might wonder why we're only mentioning this now. Well, it was so popular, it kept selling out. 
But Zwift are fully stocked now and ready for the peak indoor season. It's £449 or $449 slash euros for our friends in Europe and the US. And at that price, it is serious value for money. It's a direct drive smart trainer, so it comes with everything you'd expect, like smart resistance and a built-in power meter. Plus, it comes with your recipients or your choice of cassette pre-installed. That is serious business, so there will be no tears on Christmas Day. Just head over to Zwift.com to grab yours now. And don't forget to join us this Wednesday at 6pm UK time for our club ride. Come and have a chat and get your winter training in. See you there. Rochi, it is time for any other business now. And I think we'll start the year with a lovely question for you. Sarah Wynn has got in touch to ask, have you ever been sick in your mouth during a race? <laughs> I have actually, yeah. A few times um, <laughs> in the earlier days when I was like not so used to having gels and overdid the gels. Yeah, a bit of sick in my mouth, but it's not too bad. I think weeing yourself is probably a bit worse, isn't it? <laughs> I've done that a couple of times as well. What is your tactic when you do a little bit of stick in your mouth? Do you just swallow it or do you spit it out? I swallow it normally, yeah. <laughs> Maybe I should just spit it out. But then, you know, it could have a bit of gel in. I might need that bit of gel for, you know, the last 200 metres. That gel could make all the difference. <laughs> yeah, so even flies, even if I eat, if I eat the odd fly, I'm like, that's ah, all right, a bit of protein. That's the spirit. Here is a slightly nicer question for you from Chad. And Chad would like to know, is there ever a team at a race that has rest day food that you get a little bit jealous of? Huh. Um, to be honest, I'm not even saying this now, but our chefs are amazing. So, um, And we eat on the kitchen truck most of the time, so we don't see other teams' food. But I would say a lot of teams would be jealous of us for those boys cooking. But one thing you do get a bit jealous of is if you see, um, see them having a barbie or something. You know, on a rest day, and like, oh, look at them having a barbie there. That would be nice now. But then we go to our kitchen truck and the food's cracking anyway. So now they're good. Even even the last day of like a grand tour when they do burgers and everything. And do some nice dessert, tiramisu or chocolate fondant or bloody lovely. Getting hungry now, Tom. What is the single best meal you've ever had prepared for you by a team chef? Oh, I can't think of one, but as a block, it was when we had a training camp in Isla in like full-on COVID times in like June, July, 2020, there was only four of us and a chef and Tim Kerris and the coach. And it was proper, yeah, small little group of us. And it was James, the chef. And it was, oh, it was incredible. The stuff he was making there. He was allowed to just be a bit more flamboyant, shall we say, with the sodium and the fats and all this and that. And, oh, mate, it was so good. He's, he's, um, good at it is all he likes his asian sort of style so um and, and spicy stuff as well so right up my street that was sounds tremendous shall we finish with some shout outs yes so first shout out goes to graham crawford who gave g's mine zwift workout ago he says it was tough kudos to the boss man <laughs> as that was a great test cheers graham Graham also posted about a Boxing Day ride in a blizzard in minus five degrees. So I think he's pretty hardcore or mental. 
I think, G, a shout-out is due to every single GTCC member who got out and about on their bike on New Year's Day. So we had a mix of road riding across the globe and Zwift, so well done to the following. To Neil Gray, to Cycling Trucker, to At Jelly 86 Susan Dingle, Peter and Joe Young, Rauno Vilberg, who rode at Midnight in Tallinn, which is... Probably very, very cold. To Matt Woodward, Adrian Thorell, Paul Felton and Sarah Watmore, Chris Gams, Danny Gentili, Stephen Spencer, Pierre and Fiona Mundell and Jeff Lewis. And finally, a reminder to go and check out our GTCC Patreon page if you'd like to become an official GTCC domestique and get access to loads of extra benefits, including an annual discount code for the GTCC store. See you next time. See you then. That was the Garrett Thomas Cycling Club. Thanks to Club Secretary Louise Gwilliam, Heads of Music Emma Hickman and Frank Beecher, Head of Social Archie Biltcliffe, and our Honorary President Mike Carr. But most of all, thanks to you for listening. We'll see you next time. Ciao, ciao. Crowd Network. A place where you belong.